So we're in a new series. Now, uh, the title of the new series for your notes is this, The Purpose of Christian Schools. The purpose, doesn't that sound so exciting? <laughs> you can lie, let's try it again. Doesn't it sound so exciting? Yeah, I love liars. Thank you so much. So um, let me tell you a little bit about me. I, I process things out loud. And some of y'all, especially some of you men, you're, you're deep thinking processors. You think about things in your head for three days, and then you speak one sentence, and it's over with. You know anybody like that? I can't stand y'all. That, that, I just can't stand that. I have to talk about it for three days until I finally get it out and I'm done with it. How many of y'all are like me? Yeah, you talkers. We got, we got to, we have to. We have to say it out loud. So I am processing. This is what the series is. is me processing the purpose of Christian schools, okay? There is a memory verse, and this verse is actually the verse for our school, for our Christian academy. is Psalms 1, 1 through 3, and we're going to read it good and strong all together on the board. Ready? Go. Blessed, happy, prosperous is the man who does not follow the ungodly, nor stands inactive in the path of sinners, nor sits with those who have no use for God. Instead, he finds joy in God's word, and he habitually meditates on it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the water, producing fruit every month. Everything he does will prosper and succeed. So this scripture has these things that you need to do in order to prosper and succeed. And there's three or four things in this scripture. And the first thing you see in this scripture is the title of part number one, and that is this: choose godly friends. Choose godly friends. God created us, as you saw. He created us to live happy, prosperous, and blessed lives. He created us to succeed in everything that we do for him. But the first thing we have to do is get around the right people. And we have to stop hanging out with the wrong people. And let me just tell you, those of you that fly solo in here and you'd rather sit at home and do nothing and be around nobody, it is just as harmful to your destiny to sit at home alone as it is to sit around the wrong people. You have to have the right people in your life to fulfill your destiny. Your destiny requires that you have relationships. And that you have relationships with the people that God wants you to have relationships with. His kingdom is people. So if you're not friends with people, you're not building his kingdom. It's all about his kingdom and it's all about people. Um, there were some uh, surveys that were done by Harvard University. Uh, 48,000 teenagers were asked a series of questions for, for Harvard to find out what influences people the most. <clears throat> they asked them questions like, why did you buy this car? Why did you take this job? Why did you go to this college? Why did you go on a date? with this person? Why do you go to this church? Where do you, why do you hang out at this location? All these questions. And they discovered that 87% of all the choices we make in life were influenced or determined by the friends that are in our inner circle. 87% of the choices your child makes is based on the people around him or her. Now, uh, that means there's 13% left for parents God, TV, music, all the other things. Parents have less than 13% influence in their children's lives. 87% goes to the people around your child. And if you're curious what that influence is like, just look in a public school. Just go to their classroom and see who's around them. Every single in-depth study done on brain waves tells us that our mind functions at its peak when we're interacting with people. In other words, you absorb more information into your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You absorb more information into yourself when you are talking to your friends, 
when you're interacting with people back and forth. Another Harvard survey showed that 90% of all people in prison had parents who did not care who they hung out with as they were growing up. Parents, who they'd say, you know, we're going on a date with so-and-so. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'm going over to stay at so-and-so's house. That's fine. Go ahead. Uh, me and so-and-so, we're going to the movies. That's fine. Parents that took no interest in their children's friends, 90% of those people are in prison right now. Do you see what, it's, do you see what, what friendships can do to you? How they can lead you closer to Jesus or further away? This is why the entire Bible, Genesis, Revelation, the whole Bible is about God wanting to be the greatest relationship you have. Love God, then love people, right? Uh, put no other gods before me. Put God first in this area, this area, every area of your life. Here's why. God wants to be the greatest influence in your life, and he knows whoever you are closest to influences you more than anything else. And it's so funny. Parents, we think we have all this influence over our kids. We have no influence. But if we can help them choose the right friends, if we can put them in a place where they're around the right people, then those friends are going to influence our children in the right direction. And the same is true with adults as well. So don't think this is just for kids. Okay, so I have three points for you today. They all start with the letter S, as you can see. And point number one is this, sharpen. Sharpen, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. So um, look up here. You know what a stronghold, a stronghold is a wrong thinking pattern. A stronghold is when we think something that the Bible says is not true. And it's called a stronghold because it's hard to break. It's hard to break. Uh, let me give you an example of one. Uh, we think that the purpose of food is for our enjoyment. That's what we think. When actually the purpose of food is to keep you healthy and living, right? Healthy and alive. But we're like, no, nah, I'm going to McDonald's. I want to enjoy it. Well, that's not really food. I don't know what they call that, but it's not food. <laughs> it's not keeping you healthy and living, right? We think the purpose of friends is to find someone who we like, Find someone who we have fun with. Find someone who we're attracted to if it's the opposite sex. We think that's what a friend is. That is not the biblical definition of a friend. And you cannot go through life using Webster's Dictionary to define things because they change words every 30 or 40 years, right? Marriage was man and a woman 50 years ago. They just changed it. And so you can't go by something that, that changes because that's not truth. God's Word never changes. And God's Word says that a friend is not, if you like them, that's great. If you have fun with them, that's fine. That's just not the definition of a friend. The definition of a friend is somebody who sharpens you. In fact, the only biblical purpose of friendship is to draw someone closer to Jesus. See, if I'm your friend, then the only thing I'm doing is trying to get you closer to Jesus. If you're my friend, the only thing you're trying to do is sharpen me and get me closer to Jesus. Are you with me? In other words, if you're trying to sharpen somebody who does not want to be sharpened, you're wasting your time. If they don't want to grow, if they don't want to change, if they don't want to stop living in sin or whatever they're doing, if they have no desire for God to change them, you are not only wasting your time with them, but you could be spending it with somebody that does want to be sharpened. And the opposite is true. If you have people in your life, if they're not sharpening you, they are not your friend. You may have fun with them, but they're not your friend biblically, biblically. So let me tell you a story in the Bible to show you what a real friend is like. Okay, Mark chapter 2. Um, there's this guy who has a whole bunch of problems, a bunch of problems. In fact, just the Bible doesn't give us his name, nor does it give us the name of the people around him. So I'm going to make up names just to help you understand it, okay? Let's call the main character uh, John Paul, 
It's a good name. It's somewhere in the Bible, I'm sure. So this guy named John Paul, he, um, he's paralyzed. That's his first place. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. And, uh, but the solution is he heard that Jesus was coming to his town to teach somewhere. And so, but he's paralyzed, and he can't get there. He doesn't know what to do. How's he going to get there? So he rings up his friends. He said, did y'all hear that Jesus was coming into town? And his friends said, um, yeah, and we're already on the way to your house to bring you to Jesus. Good friends, good friends. And so when they get there, the guy, the guy can't walk. So each one of the four friends, they get on the corners of the bed, and they carry this guy, all, they carry John Paul, all through town, all the down the street, all the way to the church building where Jesus is teaching. They're so excited to get their friend to Jesus. But there was another problem. The next problem in Mark 2 verse 4 says this, because of the crowd, they could not get the man to Jesus. In other words, the parking lot was full, and they complained and left. They come to church, there's no seats, they turn around and walk away. They're lazy Christians. Not these guys. These guys, we're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. Whatever it takes. We're going to get whatever it takes, we're going to get them there. So they start thinking, what can we do? Now, I wanted to give you a visual. So I put a picture together of myself laying in a bed and my four friends carrying me. I know, here's the picture. So I'm in the bedroom. That's, that's what I know. It's what I wear to bed. That's my night-night clothes. And so... I'm in my pajamas, and as you can see, there's, there's Bob on one corner, there's David Potter on one corner, there's Mark on one corner, and, there, and there's Dan on one corner. You, you see? Okay, so these are my friends carrying me to Jesus. And when they finally get to the church, they realize we can't even get him in. We, we want to get John Paul to Jesus, we can't even get him in. And so they each kind of have a conversation that I hear in my head, and just to help you kind of get a visual of it. So first, there's Dan. Oh, is right. Oh, is right. So first there's Dan. So Dan says, Dan says, you know, I think that we should, um, I think we should just, just, just barge the bed right into the back doors of church and, and people will split and then we'll get them to Jesus. That's what Dan says. And then Bob, Bob says, I have an idea. I think that we should, I think we should climb on top of the roof. And he said, I'll build a pulley system and I'll cut a hole in the top of the roof and we'll lower John Paul right there in front of Jesus. And then David Potter says, David Potter says, you know, I had an idea. It came to me just like that. Just like that the idea came. And I know the owner of the building. In fact, I built the building and I sold it to this guy. He would not mind at all if we cut a hole in the top of the roof as long as we fix the hole when it's done, right? And then Mark, <laughs> Mark says, hey, you know, guys, um, if we really believe, if we really believe that John Paul is going to be healed, let's just drop him from the roof and whatever happens, he'll be healed. It will be okay, okay? So... That's the four friends. So, <laughs> so here's what they did. Verse 4. So they made a hole in the roof, and they lowered the man on his bed right in front of Jesus. Do you know who your friends are? Whoever is responsible for bringing you to Jesus, that's your real friend. And I don't care if they're a different color. I don't care if they're 20 years older, 20 years younger. You better hang on to those people that bring you closer to Jesus. Now, so they, they get to Jesus, and Jesus is talking, and all of a sudden he sees, you know, dust falling from the sky, and he thinks, what's going on here? And it interrupts his sermon, and there's a guy laying there paralyzed. And in verse 5 it says, when Jesus saw how much faith, you ready? They had. It doesn't say he saw the faith of the paralyzed man. He saw the faith of the friends. 
when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forget. Get up and walk. Here's my question. If your miracle was determined upon your friends, would you get it? If your future was determined upon who is in your inner circle, would your future be brighter or would it be darker? Would you be closer to Jesus or would you be further away? You have to ask yourself with every relationship that you're in, are they sharpening me or am I getting duller and duller and duller as the years go on? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, don't be fooled. In other words, um, you might be deceived by this. You might think that you can actually bring people up. But it says, don't be fooled. Bad companions destroy and they corrupt good character. Do you know Satan knows he cannot talk your child into raping somebody? That's too obvious. Satan can't talk your child into getting pregnant at 16. Satan can't talk your child into be addicted to drugs. He, that's, they, they would say, no, Satan, I'm not doing that. So he doesn't go after your child. He simply goes after your child with their friends. If he can just get your child or you around the wrong people, he's got you. He's got you right where he wants you because he knows you can't bring them up. They will bring you down. We always think as Christians, no, I'm so whole, I'm so I'm such a person of integrity. When I get when I start dating this person, then they'll start coming to church and then they'll change and then I'm going to change the you can't change nobody, you can't even change yourself. They will always always pull you away from Jesus and your destiny. Always package yourself for where you're going, not for where you are. I've never heard uh, someone say, you know, my dream was just to go to prison at 18 years old. You know what? I always wanted to be pregnant at 15 and then have an abortion. Uh, you know, uh, I, 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 always see, I always wanted to have drugs and just have this addiction, and, and I, I, that was my goal in life. That, no one ever said that. So what happened? They just hung around the wrong people. That, that's, they just hung. And you're thinking, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. You're right, Luke 7, 34. They said that about him. He's a friend of sinners. You know what that means? He was there to sharpen people. Now, the ones that did not want to be sharpened, listen real close. Jesus did not waste time on them. There were places he did not, there were towns he did not even go to because he said they, they wouldn't believe. So if Jesus himself told people, no, I, I just can't hang out with you. I can't come talk to you. I don't have time. If Jesus did that, how much more should we do that? Luke 6, 12 says he spent the whole night in prayer before he selected his inner circle. Now, what, what method did you use to select your inner circle? Just people you have fun with? Just someone you're attracted to? What, what method did you use? Because he prayed all night long before he selected his 12. And you know, we're, we're, we're judged on, Jesus chose people who, who were willing, they had problems, but they denied themselves, gave up everything to follow him. Let me show you some scriptures. Proverbs 24, 21. Don't associate with those who rebel against leaders. Proverbs 20, 19, stay away from people who gossip. Uh, Proverbs 22, 24, do not hang out with angry people. Proverbs 23, 20, don't associate people who drink too much. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. I know what you're thinking. Well, there's everybody in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I have no friends from Little River to Polly's Island. This is everybody. You know, who do I got? Okay. It's not about being popular, and it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. I would rather have three good friends, three people who when I'm in sin, they come to me and say, you know what, we notice you're going down the wrong path. We're going to get you to Jesus. I'd rather have three good friends who want me to fulfill my destiny, three good friends who push me forward, than have 30 people or 30,000 people who just live for themselves and just want to have fun in life. 
You're wasting your time with people like that. Point number two is this, same spirit. Same spirit. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 20 tells us this, whoever you're with, you're going to get their spirit. If you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. If you associate with fools, you will be destroyed. Now, if you want to know the definition of a fool, the Bible literally translates the de definition of a fool as somebody who has no use for God. These are people who, um, they, they, they just, you know, they don't come to church. They don't want to serve. They, they think they have a relationship with God. They really don't because Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. He said, if, you love, he said, if I wash your feet, now you wash the, the people's feet. Uh, if, so, if someone has no use for God, they don't want to grow, they don't want to serve, it says this, um, you'll be destroyed if you hang out with them. But here's the thing, if you walk with people who have integrity, that'll rub off on you. If you walk with positive people, that'll rub off on you. And the opposite is true. You, you hang around gossips, that'll rub off on you. You, you hang around um, uh, lazy people, that'll rub off on you. That'll rub off on you. Whoever you hang out with, and so if you want to know what your future looks like, just look at your friends. If you want to know the future of your child, you know, it's so funny how we're blown away that, that children do the things they do. Just look at all the society. When they're in the middle of that world, do you really think that out of the thousand kids that are in your kid's school, that your child's going to be the one that, that rises and doesn't do what they do? They're surrounded by mediocrity. They're surrounded by compromise. It's everywhere they look. It's the norm. It's the norm to be homosexual. It is the norm to rebel against teachers. It is the norm to do whatever feels good. They have to be in an environment around people that say we're not going to live that way or else that won't rub off on them. Another thing about spirits, they're attracted to each other. Spirits are attracted to each other. And I can prove it to you, okay? I, can, I know you know what I'm about to say. If you go to a venue or a concert and there's a thousand people there, okay, within the first hour, I kid you not, within the first hour, Every drug addict in that place will find each other. I, I, listen, and if those of you that used to be addicted to drugs or alcohol, you go somewhere, somehow you end up finding that person. You go to a venue, a thousand people. Every loose person there who has overnight stands, one night stands, um, they will always find somebody else that has a one. That's, that's just, they just connect. They just connect. Let me give it to you on a, on a church mode, okay? Uh, gossips always find gossips. In fact... <laughs> If you have a really close friend that's always gossiping to you, there's a good chance you're a gossip and you just don't know. Because if, if, if you say, well, yeah, I do have a friend that's always gossiping. Well, either you're stopping it, which is what the Bible says, or you're walking away. But if they're still close to you, listen, you, my friend, you're a gossip. Uh, weird Christians always find other weird Christians. I mean, all through Myrtle Beach, and they always hang out at the same, they always just end up at the same spots. And, at the same, and so, you know, if you have a close friend that's a really weird Christian, I'm not, I don't know, I don't know, I'm just telling you. You know, my, my wife told me the other day, because we always talk about our childhood and if we knew each other in high school and all that stuff, you know. And she said to me, they said, you know what, John Paul, all of your friends from the time you were a child until now, every close friend you have, has always been somebody who is financially wealthy and sound and wise. 
And you know, there's a spirit in me. I love what the Bible says about money. I am fascinated what money can do to somebody's heart. And I'm fascinated the fact that when I was making $500 a week with a family of seven, I started tithing and always got ahead and God always, I'm just fascinated by money, right? And there's this anointing on me that it, it, if I ever need money, it just comes. It just comes. I remember uh, the second house I bought, um, I, had, I was $1,000 short putting the down payment to save this house for our family. And um, it was the last day and I went to the mailbox and a friend of mine from another country who I haven't talked to in years sent a $1,000 check. I said, what's it? He said, God just told me that you needed it for something. I, I mean, the way that God's blessed me financially is amazing. And all of my closest friends are always very financially sound. You know what that is? Spirits are attracted. They find each other. They find each other. Daniel 6, 3 says this. Daniel was preferred. He was promoted above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Here's a Bible trivia question. Who were Daniel's three best friends? My shack, your shack, and a bungalow. That's right. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were three teenagers who refused to compromise, three teenagers who refused to bow down to the king's golden idol, and Daniel was their best friend. Is it any wonder there was an excellent spirit inside of him? Any wonder at all? Spirits are attracted. Now, if I was teaching you this in the world's view, uh, psychologists say it's called the law of attraction. I don't know if you ever studied the law of attraction. It, it, it states, it indicates that we automatically, subconsciously, we associate with people who we see ourselves like. You know, people say opposites attract. They're referring to personality. When it comes to spirits being attracted to each other, it's the same level of integrity and character. They somehow find each other. In other words, um, you attract what you are. You attract what you are. With me. So when people come to me and they complain about their ex, my ex-husband was such a loser, my ex-husband. Or, man, my ex-wife, she's such a this and this. Here's what I'm thinking in my head. You chose that person. In fact, you chose them because you couldn't do any better. That was the best that you could do at that time. You chose them because y'all are similar. Y'all are the same. You got the same spirit. Same thing. Now, if you've, after you got saved or if you've been coming to Solid Rock for a while, how many of you have looked back in the past and thought, what was I thinking hanging out with them? I can't believe. You know why? Because you've grown. You see, I know you had to have thought that about somebody. Or, and this happens to me all the time. I see people I hadn't seen in 10 years, and they're the same they were 10 years ago. And I'm thinking, I can't believe me and you were friends. I'm shocked. Because you know, we grow. You with me? Okay. So you attract what you are. I um, had somebody come to me several years ago, and it was a, a young girl that I'm friends with. And she was crying her eyes out and she's so upset. So what's wrong? She said, I want to get married so bad. I just, I'm trying to find Mr. Right and I'm doing, going here and going there. I said, well, tell me the qualities that Mr. Right has in your mind. And so I wrote out these qualities. After about eight or nine, I said, you do realize that you don't possess any of these qualities that you wanted Mr. Right. If Mr. Right finds you, he's going to call you Mrs. Wrong. Because you don't have these qualities. If you want to attract this, you got to become this. These, you want a man? See, and I told her, and I, I, she was a good friend of mine. I said, listen, you dress like a hoe, you look like a hoe, and you're going to attract people that like hoes. You, and I told her, I said, you wear dental floss when you go to the beach, you know? I said, and when you attract, listen, when you attract that kind of spirit, just understand, when you attract that, you have created something in this man to desire that. So now that you got this man, you think he no longer desires that? It's still inside of them. You put it inside of them. 
So now after you have your baby and you start wearing a one-piece and, you know, you get older, you think he's going to stop looking at hoes? No, you put that desire inside him to want a hoe because you were a hoe and now he's got a, now he wants another hoe. I'm talking about landscaping if you're under 13, okay? <laughs> Landscapers, you know. But I, but I, but I told her, I said, if you, want, if you want Mr. Wright, you've got to possess the qualities of Mr. Wright. Well, how do I do that? I said, you find a woman who has these qualities. You find a woman of integrity. You find a woman that loves the Lord. You find a woman that's faithful, that's a giver, and you take her out to eat once a week. You hang out with that woman. You listen to how her life is and her marriage, and you get around this woman, and then you'll grow in that area, and then Mr. Wright will want you. And the, and the, the roles were reversed too. First Timothy 2.9, women should dress modestly and self-control. Proverbs 11.22, a beautiful woman without discretion is like a pig with a ring in its nose. See, if you attract based on the outside, then that person now has the desire for what's on the outside. And yeah, they may fall in love with you, but guess what? That, that outside desire is still there. You want someone to love you based on the inside. So the first, they need to be attracted to the personality first because anybody can, you know, whatever, whatever, dress like a hoe, wear dental floss, whatever you want to do. It's the inside that really matters. And when you grow on the inside, you attract people that want the inside. That way, when you fall in love and you get married, you'll always love each other. Are you with me? I'm not scaring you, am I? Some of y'all are like, man, I was getting baptized in dental floss today. I got to go back home and get my... <laughs> Spirits are trans... Spirits are transferable. <laughs> oh, man. Don't say that in second service. Spirits are transferable. Deuteronomy 34.9, Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Here's why. Because his mentor just touched his shoulders. Moses laid his hands on him. And listen, a piece of Moses went into Joshua. Now, that sounds weird to some of you, so let me make it make sense. Um, we're a spirit, soul, and body. We actually are a spirit, right? We have a soul. We live in a body. If, if someone comes up to you and, and you know, if, if I was to, you know, Will Smith slap you one time, right, that would affect you physically, yes or no? Okay, physically. If someone cusses you out or someone you love dies or whatever, emotionally you're either upset or angry or depressed or sad. Emotionally people affect you, yes or no? Well, then why would you not think that spirits are affected by other spirits? If you are a spirit, don't you think that's the greatest effect we have on people? So when you get around somebody that has a spirit in them, if you want to know what kind of spirits your children will battle, just look at everybody in their class. Look at their school. And that, and that is spirits they're going to have to battle in life. When some of you, when you come home from work, you need to pray off that spirit that's at your workplace before you walk into your house. That spirit of, of evilness, that's right. I hope you don't work for me, whoever said that. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You got to pray. You got to listen. And some of you work, and, and you can't choose sometimes where you work. You can choose where your kids go to school at now. But you know, you got to pray off that spirit of rebellion. Whatever's in that place you work at, before you walk in your front door, don't bring that spirit around your family. Spirits are transferable. Um, there was this young boy in the Bible named Elisha. And he, Elisha, I'll modernize it. E Elisha, um, he was a farm boy. His parents were farmers. I'm sure his grandparents were farmers. And I bet his biggest dream in life, his biggest dream was to be a farmer. Just like his dad. I'm sure he wanted to own his own farm. But one day he was surfing on the internet and he saw this preacher who was preaching to, to thousands of people and had a great influence. And this preacher had an anointing on his life and God was using this preacher to do miracle after miracle. And something deep down in Elisha said, I think I want that. 
I, I think that, that, that I want to grow more than where I'm at. I think I want to go past just owning my own farm. I want to help thousands of people. I want to be anointed by God. So what did he do when he had the desire to be something great in life? Here's what he did. He found that person and he followed him. It says in 1 Kings 19, 21, Elisha followed Elijah as his helper, his assistant, and his right-hand man. Whatever you need, whatever you need, Elijah, you need some water, I'll get you some water. You, you need me to, 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 to fix your car, I'll fix your car for you. You, you need me to carry your Bible, I'll carry your Bible. As long as I can be around you, I just want to be around you. Why do you want to be around me? Because there's something you have that I want. There's something you have that I need for my destiny. In 2 Kings 2, 9, Elijah said to this, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? Elisha said, give me a double portion of your spirit. Do you see how his vision enlarged? For years, I just want to own my own farm. And now after spending time with somebody that was more anointed, that was wiser, that was closer to God, now he's saying, I don't just want what you have. I want double. I believe God can do double for me what he's done for you. In verse 10, Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. However, if you keep staying with me, if, you keep being, if, you, if, you, if you're around me, if you're around me, when I die, you're going to get it. Sure enough, he got it. And if you read the Bible, Elisha did two times the big miracles as Elijah recorded in the Bible. He got exactly what he wanted. Here's my question. When, not if, when you get the same spirit of your friends, what's it going to look like? Not if... When, when you receive the same spirit of the people that you are closest to and that are around you, what is it you are going to get? Here's my point. Choosing godly friends, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to be aggressive. It's not just, these people, it's not just going to automatically, now you got great friends. You have to be aggressive. You have to go after it. Um, God has already ordained the right people to be in your life but you'll never meet them if you're hanging out with the wrong people. I, I, I know, because, you know, my wife and I, we have a good marriage. We want the best marriage in the world. So you know what we do? We hang out with people that have a good marriage. We call Bob and Cindy. I, I realize they're 100 years older than we are, but they got a good marriage. So listen, so we hang out with them. If I have to take you out to eat, I'll do whatever it takes. I want to be around you because we want that. We want that. We go out with Dave and Sherry Potter. They're older than us, too. We don't care. They're encouraging. See, I need to be sharpened. Because I spend my week sharpening other people. So I have to have a list. When I am in need, who can I hang around? Who can I, get, who can I be around? Who can I talk to? I need people to sharpen me just like I need to sharpen other people. Point number three, and I'm closing with this, and that's this. Friends are seasonal. They're seasonal. Psalms 118.8 says this. It's better to rely on God than to put confidence in man or depend on people. Um... What this is saying is, is that God is your source, but our source uses resources, okay? Money's a resource. Wisdom's a resource. People are a resource. In other words, your trust isn't in the person. Your trust is in God who brings people in your life. So when you have to say goodbye to a lifelong friend, and you might have to, it's okay. God's going to bring somebody new into your life. Amen. When you walk away from the wrong people in faith, then God will bring the right people. But if you're hanging around the wrong people over here, the right person could be over here and you're missing out on it. Do you, you understand? So you, you got you to say no. And, and you think, well, what if, what if they get their feelings hurt? What if they make me think, what if they call me? Listen, it's not, if they get their feelings hurt, yes or no. What if they prevent you from your destiny? 
What if they stop you from everything God wants to do in your life? You really care if they get offended or not? Well, they're going to think I'm better than them. They're going to think I'm this. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't have guards in this area because I think I'm so godly. I have guards in this area because I want to be so godly. And I know the wrong people can pull me down. It's not even about how they're acting or how they're living. It's about what I don't want inside of me. You understand? Um, uh, so, oh, I know what I'll tell you. Uh, in high school, and I'm closing with this, but in high school, I had a, a best friend. We were just best of friends. We hung out, you know, all through high school. And then um, we went out of school, you know, and we both got married around the same time. We both started having kids. And we remained friends. And then the week of my life that I stepped out and started pastoring for the first time in my, in my 20s, he stepped out that same week and started his own business. And so we were both scared to death. We're both 26 years old, don't know what we're doing. And so every week we would go to lunch together and encourage each other. How was your week? What's going on? How was your week? What's going on? And it was so good. We were both sharpening each other. As time went on, his business started doing really well. He went from paying himself $800 a week to $1,200 a week to $2,000 a week to $3,000 a week. And now he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Over the course of our, our get-togethers every week, at one point I noticed that he began to fall in love with money. I mean, he loved it more than his wife, more than his kids, more than, more than, his friend, more than Jesus. And so it went from us sharpening each other to me sharpening him. And I did that for a few years, and I thought, you know, I realized there's nothing, he's not giving me anything. So that's okay. So instead of me, you know, just relaxing and hanging out and we're going to sharpen, now I'm, I'm on guard. Now I have to pray before I meet with them. And Lord, give me the right words. You know, I want to I bring them back to you. And I did that for a few years. And then he stopped receiving any sharpenness. And he stopped coming to church. And he stopped serving God. And he started doing it. And he was so in love with money. So I had to, I had to, I had to say no. We, we, there's, you know, there's, there's no... He got so upset. I said, man, I love you, but if you're not in church, you're not serving God, you don't want to change, what, what do you mean? There's nothing I can do. I could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with you, but you will never grow and change if you don't want to. Nothing good will ever happen in life if you don't want to serve God. And so I had to tell him, and I had to walk away. And he got upset, but I, I, I remember thinking, man, he's, he's become so arrogant and prideful and selfish and self-centered. And I remember thinking, that's not why I'm not being around them. I'm not being around them because I don't want to be self-absorbed, selfish, prideful, and greedy. You get me? Uh, some people bring happiness wherever they go. And some people bring happiness whenever they go. <laughs> oh, your last story. This little eagle, he was born and raised in a chicken coop with a bunch of chickens. And for years, this little eaglet, he, he bought like a chicken, he flapped like a chicken, he ate like a chicken. For years, that's all he ever knew was chicken this, chicken that. One day, he was in his little chicken coop, and he looked up, and he saw some, some huge eagles flying, soaring so, up in the, so high up in the sky. And he thought, wow, that's amazing. I would love to do that one day. And when he said that out loud, all his little chicken buddies said, you'll never be able to do that. You're nothing but a chicken. That's all he ever knew was chicken, chicken, chicken. And so a few years went by. He noticed himself getting bigger. Notice his wings were broader than all the other chickens. So he thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. And he flapped his wings as hard as he could. He barely got off the ground. All the chickens started laughing. They said, ah, you're nothing but a chicken. 
Colonel Sanders is going to come for you just like he is us. Chicken, chicken, chicken. And again, he'd see these eagles flying. So he thought, how am I ever going to, how am I ever going to accomplish that? So he decided to walk away from all the other chickens and go stand in the corner of the coop every day all by himself. And he just looked up in the air and just watched as the eagles soared. He'd see them go above the clouds, how outstretched their wings were. He was amazed. He watched this day in and day out over and over and over. Finally, one day with everybody in the chicken coop watching, he amazed them all as he flapped his wings up and out of the coop way up in the sky with every flap he said I knew this is what I was made for I knew I could do this I knew that I was an eagle we will never soar like an eagle if we're clucking around with the chickens It'll, nothing will ever change in your life you got to get around some eagles and I'll tell you there's some good eagles in this church by the way so a lot of good eagles in this church and at Faith First Academy amen